we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you didn't get a chance, please listen to our shows earlier this week with Raphael from NBA Draft Junkies, and also as well, Laker Tom from Lakerholics.net. you got to catch those great episodes. Full one-hour conversations right there for you at the Lakers Fast Break. If you get a chance as well, please give us that five-star review, that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out very much so. We truly appreciate it. And, you know, if you like, subscribe, we truly appreciate that as well. And if you have any Lakers fans or NBA fans in your life, tell them to check us out. Love to hear from you right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Well, there's a little bit to talk about, but not as much as I expected right about now because there's still uh, in a state of flux as far as whether or not some players want to go ahead and stay or go to Orlando. Over 300 players were tested for the coronavirus, and we'll talk about that coming up as well, let you know the results of that. But there's only been a few decisions that have been made in regards to whether or not these players are going to stay or go. Only a few players have decided that. So I want to talk about some of those players today, especially one that obviously is going to be most near and dear to Lakers fans out there, and that is Avery Bradley, who has decided to stay home. And yes, I know he was very much part of the movement and the talk with Kyrie Irving as far as the conversations that were being made as far as the inquiries and and possibly branching off and things of that nature in regards to having a bigger importance as far as the movement and all that. And I appreciate his efforts in doing so. And he will be addressing that and he will go ahead and be you know a vocal part of those protests continuing going forward. But he has decided to stay out. He has a son, six-year-old son, that would not have gotten cleared probably, you know, had they gone down and made it through the playoffs into the first, second round and the families be allowed. He, his son probably would not have been allowed. So it's that decision primarily that's driving him to say, you know what, I'm going to be able to have to stay home from Orlando. And I respect that decision 100%. As a father of a child who, who has asthma, you know, I, I completely understand. And yeah, everybody out there should understand as well. But here today to talk about that, possible options for the Lakers, including one that's heavily rumored and a lot more. It's a good man indeed. You got to check out what he's doing today at NBA Draft Junkies, including his new tenure as the general manager for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was wearing a different suit, by the way. So it was looking good. Looking good. You got to check out what he's doing as far as NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies, his podcast, available everywhere you get your podcasts. And, you know, make sure you give him that five-star review as well. It is my good friend. It is Rafael Barlow. And, Rafael, I know you've been riding that bike more and more and more and more. But watch out for those dogs, man. <laughs> yeah. I've been riding every day. I'm at about – I'm averaging between 70 to – 90 miles a week so i've been putting in some i've been putting in a lot of work on the bike and luckily it, i mean it's been hot but it hasn't reached like the 100 degree levels because I, I live in dallas so i don't know how long i'll be able to keep that up once we get to 105 108 degree days but yeah i've i enjoy riding my bike i've been like i said i've been riding a lot and then yesterday i had a crazy experience where I saw a stray dog, and I haven't seen a stray dog in years. And actually, I think the last time I saw a stray dog was I lived in Istanbul 
for a while. And there, I don't think anybody has a dog as a pet. All the dogs are just stray dogs. So, um, but they're, I guess they're, they're just different than the dog, a stray dog you may see here. They're, everybody feeds them and takes care of them. So they're really friendly. But, you know, here, when you see a stray dog, you kind of. You're thinking rabies, man. Know. You're thinking rabies. Yeah, you're, you're thinking the worst. And so I was riding my bike and, um, yeah, I just saw this dog. I heard it barking and it starts coming towards me and it's coming towards me at an angle. And, uh, man, I, I had never pedaled that fast in my life. I was, <laughs> I was moving and it felt like, I think it was about 45 seconds, but it felt like an hour. I mean, I had chills and I'm just, I'm moving. I oh, mean, I'm like Lance Armstrong at the end of the Tour de France when you can see the finish line. Without the luckily, steroids, pretty... without without the, the, <laughs> the injections and all that. No steroids for me. I'm powered by Gatorade. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was moving and thankfully I'm in pretty good shape. And thankfully I wasn't going up a hill and the dog ran out of gas. <laughs> and so... I mean, my adrenaline was pumping so hard that even once I finished pedaling that fast, I didn't feel tired. You know, like usually if you got a hill or there's a challenge, your, your legs are burning. I didn't even feel tired. I just felt relieved and got the dog running out of gas. And so today I took the same route this morning. I was looking for the dog, but he wasn't, he wasn't there. So hopefully that's my last time. And then um, I don't know if you saw, I had mentioned on Twitter earlier in the week, I saw two bobcats. And, um, you know, at first I was like, is that a dog? And then it, it, it didn't look like a dog, but it was at nighttime. And I had definitely should not have been riding that that late. And, um, but yeah, so I, I saw, I didn't know what they were. Then I went on Google and decided to see what animals are in the area. And, and yeah, there, there have been uh, people that have spotted bobcats in the area. So that's what it was. So. All within a matter of like four days, I seen two bobcats and got chased by a dog. And we're not talking about Charlotte bobcat. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just uh, yeah. I mean, those are gone anyway. Actually, I still have some Charlotte bobcats. I lived in Charlotte during that time. It's kind of vintage. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I will tell you, it's better than here because right now it's a nice uh tidy 113 115 degrees right now here in Las Vegas. Oh wow, and yeah. it's not even July yet. So yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's about right. I mean, this is usually about we're about a week away from the normal summer league schedule and I'm usually there in Vegas the first week and yeah, 100 degrees sounds about right. It's just, you know, with this year, it's just kind of hard to keep track of time. I mean, it seems like it's been May for a long time or, or June. So this has been an odd year as, you know, totally different subject. Well, but. well, like you said with the your situation with the dog, the first six months of this year seem like it's gone two, three years. It seems like it's taken forever to get by. So I, I hear you yeah. on that. But my friend, there's still a lot to talk about because of what's going on with the coronavirus and all that. And 302 players, they tested on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. And mm -hmm. uh, 16, roughly about what, 5%, I think, of the total of players yeah. tested positive for coronavirus. I think that's 
probably a, you know a, a decent amount. I mean that's that's nothing to get really up in arms over. I think that's actually the NBA taking a little bit of a sigh of relief that that was the case. Several players, including a lot of members of the Sacramento Kings, Buddy Heald, Alex Len, uh, Jabari Parker. Uh, you know, a few others around the league. But then again, 16 out of 302 right now, that's a positive sign that the league can go to Orlando and hopefully, if all goes well, have some measure of control to try and treat this bubble with a positive outcome. Yeah, I mean, it's actually less than the national average. I think based off the population, 6% have tested positive. So... 5% is good. I was actually expecting more. But the scary thing for me is Buddy Hill lives in Dallas in the offseason, and I haven't actually seen him in, in person this summer, but the same gyms that he's been working out at, I've been there multiple times, and I've just kind of missed him by like an hour here and there. But I've just seen like the pictures on social media. So <laughs> it, it's kind of it kind of hit close to home for me because like I said, I've, I've been in those same gyms that where he's been at this summer. I'm not saying where he he got it here in Dallas or or whatever. I mean, because you don't I know, know. We talked about it. Yeah, you don't you don't know. Period. And I know we talked about it in maybe a previous episode about Trey Young playing in in the it's called the Skins League in Oklahoma City, and Buddy had played in that league also. So you you never know where a person got it from or or whatever. But like I said, it kind of hit close to home simply because. I've been in the same circles. Yeah, it's, it's kind of scary because it seems to be all around you at this point with with you know scattered number of people being infected by by this virus. And for those individuals that have this virus out there, not only with the NBA, but I, I know the, the rates in several states. In fact, almost half the states are noticing sharp increases in the number of cases. I'm just rooting for everyone out there. Just stay safe. I'm uh, hoping everyone stays healthy and you know, we can nip this thing in the bud, hopefully sooner rather than later. But I know I've said that before, but it's kind of concerning when Florida, Texas, California, even here in Nevada, you're seeing sharp, sharp increases, but yet the NBA is going forward. Is there any little like voices in the back of your head? Like there is mine that's saying, maybe this isn't this the best idea for the NBA. I mean, it's not a loud voice for me, but it's a voice that's there after I see all the stuff that's gone on this week and as far as the coronavirus numbers. Well, to me, it's consistent with what's been going on in the country. It's it's money motivated. I mean, the NBA players have anywhere between $900 million to like $1.2 billion on the line. And the only reason why the country opened back up was because of the economy, the economy was suffering. So to me, it's very consistent to, to what's going on. I know I live in Dallas and the numbers are going crazy here in Texas. And they, I guess they kind of admitted that reopening up was a mistake. And I think they shut the bars down today and like tubing river uh, rafting or whatever, they shut those down. But even when I'm I'm out, like, I mean, I'm not out a lot, but I live in an area where there's like a bunch of outdoor shopping. I mean, I guess it would be like somewhat similar to the promenade in Santa Monica in LA. 
and people are just out. I mean, some people have masks on, some people don't. But coming from China, where everything was shut down, and and um, you know, I saw how different the approach was. We're at the point where even though there's I don't know how many deaths we have, are we have over 200 now. It still doesn't seem like America has really taken it serious. So, unfortunately, I expect the numbers to continue to rise. But I I do think for the NBA, only having 16 guys test positive was a great sign for them as far as going forward. And that is... Uh, I was expecting more. You and I both. I was expecting yeah. uh, at least 50, uh, if not more, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Very surprised and pleasantly surprised that that was the case. And I'm I'm wishing good health for the 16 players, as I am for everyone else out there that's dealing with this at this point in time. Uh, but one of the things, because of this, and like I was talking about before at the beginning of the show with Avery Bradley... Nobody out there can fault him. I understand he was part of the Black Lives Matter movement that he and Kyrie Irving and about 30 or 40 others were contemplating about doing. And there was all that talk about starting their own league and, you know, branching off and making serious inquiries to Adam Silver as far as what are they really going to do in this bubbles. And those are good questions to ask. And I understand his position. I'm glad he's going to still in this time of him not being with the Lakers, still going to be active as far as that movement is concerned. But obviously he has a situation there at home where it necessitates him being there and not bringing that coronavirus, possibly endangering him to his home. So I I can totally understand that. I mean, again, as someone who has a daughter that suffers from asthma and who is according to what you see and what you read and what you hear, is possibly at more at risk of of some damaging effects from the coronavirus. To me, I can never fault someone for that for staying for their family. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it should even be an issue. I mean, it's his son. It, it is, my friend, because you see on social media, and you know, you go to Twitter, mm-hmm. you go to these places, and people still are making comments. How can you betray us? Blah, 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 blah. You know, like you were talking about with Knicks fans and you were like, you know, I've told you about before with Lakers fans, there's still that small percentage of, of NBA fans or that kind of say that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of fans don't realize like these guys are human. They are regular people. I mean, they have a skill set that makes them one of only 450 people in the world. But at the end of the day, I mean, they still have a family to go home to and they still have to make decisions that are best for their family. So I understand like that, you know, sports fans are are pretty passionate about their team. And especially if you're a Lakers fan and you feel like this is the best team that they've had in what, eight years and closest that has been to a championship. And that probably means more to some fans than the health of Avery Bradley's son, which isn't fair. But I think that for some people that are given the same circumstances, they would have made the same choice he did. I don't see many fathers and mothers out there doing something different in that type of situation. I think the decision for many of these parents out there, I know for me, if pressed, 
I, I you know what I, I probably would lean the same way as myself because you know you're and it's not like he wants to do this. It's not like he wants to go ahead and short himself what uh, you know I don't know how much money has been calculated for him, but for instance, for Davis Bertans that is also staying out because uh, he wants to insure himself for his free agency period and he has two bad knees and he does want to go ahead in a situation where Washington is most likely not going to extend its season run into the playoffs. He doesn't want to go mm-hmm. ahead and risk injury. So I get that. For him, it's an issue of, okay, I'm going to go ahead and make a lot more money, so I'll risk the $600,000. Trevor Reza, uh, he is dealing with a custody issue. He is also staying out, and that's he's costing himself, I think, over, a little bit over a million dollars. Avery Bradley, again, that's, uh, up to one point eight for Ariza. Oh, that's right, yeah, one point eight. That that's correct. That's mm-hmm. the number that's been tossed around. Avery Bradley, I haven't heard the numbers per se for him, but I'm assuming it's right around the million mark as well. It's not like he wants to stay home, and it's not like he wants to not be there with the Lakers. It's just that there's a priority sometimes in your life, and it's something that I think a lot of people have to think about. You start putting price tags on your family, that's not fair. It's your family. And if you lose a son because of something that you did, there's no amount of dollars in the world that could replace that. I agree 100%. But I also see like from the fans' perspective also because they're probably thinking, well, there's somebody else that probably has a similar situation and they chose to be there. As far as Bertans, I, I get it from an insurance standpoint and from maximizing your earning potential. But I think it's kind of a slippery slope because Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum are in line for a significant amount of money, significantly more money than Bertans. I mean, based off of the last calculations of the CBA, they would be in line for like 180 million, five years, 180 but they're going to play. And then Donovan Mitchell has tested positive for the coronavirus. And as of everything that we know today, he's still going to play. So I think that kind of makes it hard for people to understand Bertan's point of view. I saw Evan Fournier criticized him about it. And like I said, I see both sides of it. But if, if everybody that's a free agent decides to do the same thing, then it kind of looks bad for the league. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is that we haven't seen that many decisions. I'm going to throw Willie Cauley Stein in there, uh, who is staying home because he is a, uh, his partner and him are about ready to have a baby. In, I think in July, mm-hmm. so he mm-hmm. has decided to stay home as well. But there's only been a handful of players who have made this, the decision, and we first thought it was supposed to be June 24th as the deadline. The hard mm-hmm. deadline. 
But then we heard from the NBA, well, that's kind of a soft deadline, and we really need to know by the first. And, you know, the teams are not going to be actually flying out to Orlando until the 7th through the 9th. So it would be kind of nice if you told us earlier. But in reality, it looks like the first is the hard deadline, if I'm not mistaken. Or is there even mm-hmm. another deadline after that? Which first did you see? I saw July 1st, and then I saw another publication say, actually, August 1st is the absolute last. Well, it has date. to be July 1st just because of quarantine. Because if somebody says, okay, there's there, let's say Avery Bradley. Let's use him, him mm-hmm. as an example. Let's say August 1st, he says, okay, I'm going to go there. He would still have to quarantine for two weeks. And then they would have to, if they Lakers sign a player, they would have to let that player go. And I think that at July 1st, or at least before the team leaves towards, or these teams leave towards mm-hmm. Orlando, in in the case of Toronto, haven't they already flown to Orlando? Or what is their exact situation, if I, I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I think they're in Florida. I don't think they're actually in Orlando, but I think they're in like one of the cities that are outside. And I don't know if the whole team is there, but I did see, um, I think it was Fred Van Vliet's wife or, or girlfriend posted something on her Instagram and then it ended up making it to Twitter. And that's how I knew that they were going early because I didn't see any reports until um, after she posted that picture that said that they were going, that they're there early. Well, and then there I, I read, yeah, I read that whatever county they're in, they're not in Orange County, which is the county where in Orlando that's been, I think they had like 9,000 or something. I don't know. Not 9,000, but they set a record. Um, but it's in another county that's like right outside of there that I believe Toronto's at. Something with a P, like Pineas County or something like that. But still, it's, uh, you know, I think that whoever needs to decide, I think it's July 1st uh, as mm-hmm. far as a hard and fast deadline, but I'm not entirely sure. I think. Maybe they can decide to go up until they get, you know, the team goes on the plane. But if somebody decides later on that they want to go ahead, if there's been transactions made, then they have to make another transaction to release a player. And that player going over, let's say, like, again, Avery Bradley, if he decides to, you know, hey, change his mind or whatnot, he would still have to go ahead and quarantine for a minimum of 14 days. So that's something that everybody has to keep in mind if, they're hoping for an A.B. Bradley, you know, like uh, Willis Reed or coming out of the locker room type deal. That's probably not going to happen. Right. I think, um, you know, it's interesting because, man, I don't know if Willie Colley-Stein would have actually been in the Mavs rotation. He, I don't think he played much after the trade. Um, or I don't even know if he was traded. However, whatever he came from Golden State. But Ariza uh, is came, a big yeah. loss for Portland. Ariza is a big loss for Portland. And, and I saw Avery all the Bradley Carmelo memes. Well. I saw all the Carmelo yeah. memes. Yeah, I read Carmelo. I mean, I think the biggest impact of players that we've kind of heard a rumor that they may not play is Lou Williams. If Lou Williams decides not to play, then that could be a, a major issue for the Clippers. But other than that, I mean, like I haven't heard anything about Dwight or I mean, any other players that are – supposedly considering not playing. And that's something I want to ask you right now with Avery Bradley, uh, you know, his presence on the floor. Uh, he obviously had that big game with the, against the Clippers in that final weekend before. 
but he is not a consistent offensive player, even though after January 1st, his three-point shooting did go up, and in some cases did go up really dramatically. He is still a streaky shooter. I'm going to say that right now. But his defense, depending on who you talk to, is either the best on the team or really good. I mean, against some of the matchups against some of the point guards out there, I want to hear your assessment. I mean, we saw the statistics I know you have on ESPN that he was uh, number one in the league at a certain position defensively against other guards, for guards, I should say, as far as uh, like 45% uh, defensive ratio and, and defensive percentage against uh, something, something like that. He was leading the league. Uh, but there are other people who say, well, okay, as a team defender, maybe he's not not as great. He's not. He doesn't have the height, uh, so taller point guards or going against other guards he has a problem with. But I want to hear your assessment of Avery Bradley at this point, how big of a loss it is for the Lakers. I think it's going to be a hit because he did certain things for the team that really fit well, especially from a defensive side of the standpoint. And if he gave you any type of consistent shot at all, it was really a big bonus for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, he was playing well at, towards the, I guess, the second half of the season. It sounds weird saying that, but I think that he was finally just kind of getting his groove back as a shooter. And then obviously he's always going to be one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. I mean, I guess the the knock on him is that he's not as good of a team defender because he's more concerned about shutting his man down than playing team defense. I think it hurts the Lakers, but I feel they have enough wings, in my opinion, to where you still have Danny Green, you still have LeBron, who I think in the playoffs you're going to see the defensive level step up a notch. I, mean, I know Rondo has slipped a lot defensively. I think Caruso is a good defender. Who um, would actually affect, be effective playing against? I mean, John Morant, uh, Damian Lillard, uh, let's say Russell Westbrook, the smaller guards that the Lakers could potentially match up against that might give a problem to the Lakers. Uh, when you talk about the Clippers, uh, a little bit larger size. Denver. You know, with Murray, I mean, he's mm-hmm. also a little bit of a smaller guard. He can also go ahead and create some problems if he gets hot. It's kind of hot and cold himself. But your thoughts on if that will be a problem, who is going to have to step up or who do you think can step up to match up against those guards defensively? I mean, KCP. You still have KCP on the roster. I mean, I know it hasn't been official and everybody's expecting J.R. Smith to to end up in L.A. I think he's a – well, he's, we haven't seen him play in almost two years, but he's a solid defender. Deion Waiters is fighting for his career, in my opinion. So, and, you know, he may not even be in the rotation. So he may have to lock in and play defense in order to be in the rotation to extend his, his career. So I think the Lakers have – I mean, they have options. You still have Danny Green there. And, you know, maybe playoff Rondo – is the same, you know, on the defensive end. So I think the Lakers have enough bodies. And if there is a team that could have handled a loss as far as like 
depth on the wing. I think the Lakers are the deepest team in as far as wing depth, in my opinion. And that's something else I want to ask you on with J.R. Smith here. We know he can defend his truck really well. Uh, <laughs> we know he's been hanging around LeBron bicycling. Uh, maybe not you know, being chased by a dog like you were. Uh, but he's been bicycling with Rich Paul and Anthony Davis and LeBron uh, recently. We, we actually, you know, we've talked about that in that fabulous weekend he had that uh, what not not too long ago. But I want to, all kidding aside, ask: J.R. Smith has been out of the league what almost two years now, and that's something mm-hmm. could, that could be of concern when you're not in the league for that amount of time. Plus, he's not exactly the youngest individual anymore. I think he's, what, 34, 35, if I'm not mistaken? Yep. So I'm asking you, I mean, what realistically can you expect for someone like that? Well, I think that everybody's going to be rusty at this point, even though, you know, it's a longer gap between when when the last time he actually played a game. But I think this actually helps him, the fact that, Nobody has played in three months. So it kind of closes the gap a little bit. Um, but the thing is, if he's been around LeBron like that, then you know he's working. So I can't imagine him being around LeBron consistently. And it seems like he's been in L.A. for, you know, even before this whole situation um, with the pandemic happened. So I, I imagine he's working out with LeBron consistently. I mean, he's there with his agency and and yeah i just can't imagine you being a slacker and you're in lebron's inner circle so i think that his um yeah i just don't think it'll be an issue the fact that he hasn't played in a couple years and plus he's a shooter they say shooting is like riding a bike and i don't think that would ever leave him as far as just being a guy that you can't leave open and so i feel defensively you know, it's going to hurt the Lakers a little bit with uh, Avery Bradley being gone. But if JR can be a competent defender, then he's going to help the spacing out tremendously on the offensive end of the floor. And in today's NBA, spacing and shooting is so important. That's what JR, at least, you know, the JR that we've known provides. Because even if he's off, even if he's 0 for 5 from the floor, you're still not going to leave him open because he can come and hit three threes in a row so offensively it's probably an upgrade defensively they still have enough defenders a focus lebron you know danny green is always going to be a good defender um davis is an excellent defender they're still going to have multiple plus defenders out on the floor no matter what and they have to start shooting like we're expecting danny green has to be has to turn it up a notch. I think Danny Green is a key. I think he needs to play like Danny Green in the playoffs that I've mm-hmm. seen him on more than one occasion be that effective. I'm not asking for playoff Rondo because that might be asking way too much. Alex Caruso, I just need him to go ahead and perform at the level he is already. Uh, he might be asked to be doing a little bit more on the playmaking side, but I'm, uh, you know, he's not, that's an issue that the, I think the Lakers have long tried to make him a point guard, and he's not really a point guard because he can, can't really distribute the way you want him to. But I think that in his time that he's there, he might be asked now to do a little bit more playmaking because of the loss of Avery Bradley, and everybody has to shift and do a little bit more. 
J.R. Smith, you're right. If he can come in and provide consistent shooting, I understand he's the epitome of hot and cold. And if he's hot, he can become blazing hot. But I'm I'm just worried at a 35 years old if that's really the right answer after two years. But like you said, if he's been wor- there in L.A., he's been working out with LeBron. He did try out with the team before, and the team didn't sign him. They signed Waiters, which was kind of fascinating now that they have Waiters and Smith on that roster. <laughs> or actually, I shouldn't no. say it's on that roster yet. They haven't signed J.R. Smith yet. So that I don't want to go ahead and, and say that as a as a formality yet. But they're leaning heavily towards signing him from what all the rumors say out there, which is going to be very funny because you have J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters and LeBron. <laughs> you know, after the the most famous incident as far as J.R. Smith and the, you know, the, the ball and the timeout and the whole nine yards, I mean, it looks like LeBron has forgiven him for that and is willing to go ahead and allow him back on the team. And as a fellow Rich Paul client, it looks like that's a possibility that could end up happening. If there, if not, do you see anything else out there? As far as another player, I mean, I, I heard some people mention um, Gerald Green, but we don't know if he's healthy or not because I, I think he broke his foot earlier in the season. And I mean, of course, they declared him out for the year, but they thought the year was going to end in May. So who knows where he's at at this point? Those are the only two guys. I mean, plus with Jr. being a clutch client. It's almost a guarantee at this point that he's going to end up there. I mean, you didn't even need Woj or Shams or anybody to bring it up. You just knew automatically, oh, Avery Bradley's not playing? Okay, J.R. Smith. <laughs> well, it's just funny because he tried out for the team before when they had that spot mm-hmm. that uh, Deion Waiters ultimately got, and he was not selected out of the two. Maybe it was a better fit for what the Lakers needed at that time. I'm not quite sure. Maybe he didn't try out as well. I'm not sure about any of those scenarios because we didn't get the scoop of what happened at that point in time. But, you know, the Lakers are taking a hard look at him. I heard Iman Shumpert, I think, was the only other name that I, I heard that's out there that the Lakers might be interested in, unless there's a name that that hasn't popped up as of yet. Well, the thing with Dion is that um, before he was with Clutch, he was with Palinka. Um, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. I mean, I mean, you know, the joke is, at least for in my inner circle of friends, who's really running the Lakers? Is it Rob Palenka or is it Rich Paul? <laughs> so I think in the case with Deion Waiters, those were his two agents. So I mean, I think Rob would have favored Deion Waiters, and and then um, you know it was a win-win for for Rich Paul. But I also I always felt like JR was going to end up on the Lakers anyway. Somehow, some way, he was going to end up there. Well, also, you got to remember, that's just similar to what I heard the other day on on a podcast about the New York Knicks and, you know, who's who's running the Knicks at this point in time right now. He had a lot of his clients at various points in time on the Knicks. I think they're like the 2012, 2013 Knicks. I think they were talking about uh, what a lot of the clients were based out of one agency. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's kind of, I was actually um, a friend of mine was, <laughs> he was with CAA and then he left CAA because he wasn't as high priority of a client that he thought he should have been. And so I remember him not making the team because J.R. Smith's brother 
made the team. And I don't know if you remember the story. He got like $2 million in his contract for a little bit of, I don't even think he played a single game, but that was when you had Mellows uh, on the team, Mellow JR, Mike Woodson. And even now, I think I heard Mike Woodson is going to be interviewing for the Knicks job again. And then now, you know, it's like you always heard the rumors that CAA was running the Knicks, but now it's official. Yes. They're running the Knicks. So I think Chris Paul could possibly end up in New York somehow. Devin Booker, Carl Towns, I think those guys could be in the Knicks' future. And with CAA, uh, you know, you saw, I'm sure you saw the news that uh, Worldwide West is now officially, officially, although he was unofficially a consultant for the team, he is officially part of the New York Knicks as well. So that's something that I think goes without saying. It's going to be what, CAA East from what I'm hearing? Yeah, I mean, I was shocked he actually took a job in an official capacity because he's kind of been unofficial for a while, which, you know, when you're unofficial, it gives you total freedom and access to do what you want because you're not tampering or you're not really breaking any laws. So I'm actually shocked that he's in official capacity. But I'll tell you what, my friend, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the Knicks. And real quickly, I know you served as GM, interim GM, on your site, on the YouTube, and also in podcast form, and also the website that you have at NBADraftJunkies.com. I know they said that they're going to end up getting a coach by the end of the month. Who do you think it's going to be realistic? And who do you want it to be, actually, as well? For some reason, I think Tibbs or Tibbs. I think Tibbs would be the coach. I don't know. Jason Kidd could be an option, even though he's a – I mean, if you want to talk about, like, the whole politics between an agency, Jason Kidd is with Excel. And remember, you know, they said Excel was running the Bucks a few years ago. But then again, I'm sure you've seen the rumors. Jason Kidd has a good relationship with Giannis. So that could be a play. Who who knows? I mean, I don't know if they even fill the position by the end of the month because they really don't have a need to fulfill it right now because it's not like you need to put an offense in place as far as you know, the draft isn't until October. So, I mean, if it's kid, then, well, I guess if you don't hear anything for a while, then that could mean that Jason Kidd is, is their guy. Uh, so I really don't know. I mean, I, w- I would think Tibbs, just because I, if, if I were Leon Rose, I think I would hire him, even though, you know, some people like tired of them recycling coaches, he wins. That's one thing that he does is win. It may not be the most aesthetically pleasing style, and he may, you know, have one guy that he's going to ride until until the end. But he he does win games, and New York needs to win. I mean, they haven't made the playoffs since what 2012 or something like that. So I think if you want immediate results, then you you go with him. But then again, they could surprise us. I mean, I saw Mike Brown is a, a candidate. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of funny just how important winning is. If you get on the right staff, I mean, I didn't think Mike Brown would get another NBA head coaching job or even opportunity after the whole Lakers situation. Got on Golden State staff and had to be part of a championship organization, and now his name is coming up again. So Memories are short, my friend, in the NBA from what I'm seeing. Yep. Once it you- depends, but you know what? Joe Dumars, I, I feel like – Joe Dumars hasn't 
got another chance. Even like in LA, Vinny Del Negro, he's has not had another opportunity. So I've it's always interesting to me to see like what happens behind the scenes when you see a guy go from the head coach of a team and then you just don't see like him even being interviewed anymore. And it's not like that he had a horrible record or anything like that. Went to the playoffs. Yep. He actually did go to the playoffs. Yeah, that's uh, interesting to hear. You know, once you get in that mix, you're always up for those interviews. And like you said, if you're on the outs, you're not. And like, Joe Dumars is obviously somebody that is uh, somebody that could lead a team again as far as from the GM standpoint. It's not like he was a, a failure as a GM. He, he did pretty good during his tenure. Yeah, won a championship, and I forgot how many conference finals they went to. I feel like they went to multiple conference finals after. Well, they went to two finals because they lost to the Spurs once. So I don't know. I'm surprised that he he hasn't been able to get another opportunity, especially considering that Danny Ferry, with that whole situation, got another opportunity before Joe Dumars. Yeah. So it's it's so unpredictable. You just never know what goes on behind the scenes. This is true, my friend. This is all too true. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, I'm speaking to my good friend, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You got to check out his tenure as the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavs GM. He's like flying all over the place right now. He is the hot commodity as the interim GM on YouTube right now. You got to check out his YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies. Also as well, his great podcast, which is now available on podcast formats everywhere, NBA Draft Junkies. And of course, his website NBADraftJunkies.com, where you can get the latest info and news and also draft order as far as who he's thinking about who is doing well as a prospect and some of the prospects that are there for what the lottery and beyond. So if you're interested in the NBA draft, there's no better place to go than the NBA Draft Junkies. My friend, still a couple more things I want to talk to you about before we let you on out, and that is Vince Carter recently announced on a podcast that he announced his retirement from the NBA, which for me, as a Vinsanity fan, and still, as we joked about, was I think it was last month or, or a month before, about him dunking over Frederick Weiss, still fresh in our minds. As someone who has seen the best of Vinsanity over the course of years, I'm sorry to see him go out like this on a team that doesn't even qualify for this extended season in Orlando. Man, he had a great career. I saw the thing uh, that said he's the last player that was on Nintendo 64, and they showed the graphic, how terrible the graphics were in the, you know, as far as video games in the late 90s. But yeah, he's been in the NBA longer than he's been alive, as far as just, he's played more years in the NBA than he has years where he wasn't. And, but he seems like he's going out on his own. He's he's at peace with it. And that's the thing that a lot of professional athletes do not get the opportunity to to leave on their own terms. You know, a lot of guys, unfortunately, they end up having to retire because they can't play anymore. You know, 
injury or a team. I mean, there's no interest in them. And I think Vince could have played a couple more years just because, I mean, he's been known to be such a good locker room guy and be such a, a positive influence on the younger players. So I'm happy that he's going out on his own terms. And I've listened to some of the podcasts where he talks about his new love, which is golf. And it sounds like he's going to spend a lot of time on the golf course. So, you know, I'm definitely sad to like I said, not see him play anymore. But the thing is that he extended his career a long time. Like I, I think I, I read something that he hadn't been a starter since 2012, 2013. And then even if you look at like his draft class, it seems like those guys have been out of the league like 10 years. A lot of the guys in his class, even the guys that were like successful, like, I mean, like Jason Williams was in his class and I don't think he played again after Miami won the championship. And I was like, Oh six. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anton Jameson seems like he's been out the league for a while. Larry Hughes seems like he's been out for quite a while. Um, you know, Dirk, this was just his first year out, and then Paul left a couple of years ago. But other than that, I mean, he seems like he's doubled the career as far as years as some of the guys that, you know, were high-level starters at one point. Well, uh, still, I think he is had a great career, and I agree with you on that. Is it Hall of Fame worthy? Because I think at times he was one of the best players in the league, and I think he needs to be strongly considered for it. Yeah, I think he gets in. I mean, if Mitch Richmond got in, then Vince should be a no-brainer. I saw a... Oh, Chris Webber, I think, some, is, should be in, and he isn't in yet. Yeah, Webber should be in, but I don't think Webber ever reached the popularity as Vince. And then there's some numbers that he's like, it was like 25,000 points, certain amount of rebounds, certain amount of assists and threes, that he was the only, he's the only player in NBA history. And then I want to say, if you go by points rebounds, assisted threes. It's like Vince, Kobe, LeBron, and Paul Pierce are the only guys that have reached this certain criteria. So, I mean, he's at 25,000 points, and I don't think there's a single player that has 25,000 points that's not in the Hall of Fame. I he think just he doesn't have, like, the championship by his name or yeah. – or, I mean, it's been a long time since you can say that he was one of the top – five to ten players in the league. But just off longevity alone and his numbers, he should be a shoe-in. I hope so. I hope so because he's always carried himself well. Uh, he seems like a nice guy personally. Uh, and obviously he's been a great role model for a lot of younger NBA players out there on how to conduct themselves in the league. And like you said, he could have been in the NBA for another couple of years at least as someone who not only could play a role on a team – who knew where exactly what to do and, and how to do it as far as coming off the bench. But like you said, be a mentor to these younger players as they come into the league. Yep. And also you can't discount the relationship that he had with the media, like the media. I mean, maybe early in his career, you know, when they would label him as soft and he didn't play through injuries and he had the whole thing where he was, he chose to walk and get his degree and he got criticized for that. But other other than that, for the most part, he's been loved by the media. And I've listened to a few different podcasts where they just talk about how great of a person he was. And to me, that also plays a role when it comes to like Hall of Fame votes because the media has 
say so on who gets in. You're right on that. And we've seen that before. If you burned your bridges with the media, it makes it a lot harder, no matter what kind of career you had, to get in. We've seen these slam dunk competitors that that retired and you think they're going to be 100% voted in, but for whatever reasons, if they had a frosty relationship with the press, it's like, okay, there was like one, two, a few voters that didn't vote for them just because, of the again, the frosty relationship. And you're right, someone that's on the fringe, someone that's on the border of making it or not making it, that could make all the difference in the world. Yep, I agree 100%. Well, there's one last thing I want to talk to you about before we head on that, and also you tell everybody what's going on with your great site, NBA Draft Junkies, and that's Chad Ford, uh, who announced last week after coming back into the world of the NBA Draft, it's something that you and I follow closely. You've, you do such a great job following the draft, and as someone who I've respected his work for so many years, he recently came back, did his own podcast, had his own site, uh, started to go ahead and get delve into that after being unceremoniously let go by ESPN in a mass layoff situation a couple years back. Well, looks like because of what's going on with the world right now, he wants to focus more on his primary duties as a conflict negotiator. So he wants to go ahead and be part of the Black Lives Matter movement and also more conversations as far as systemic racism and trying to get rid of it. And I can't fault him for that, but I will sorely miss his contributions as far as NBA drafts as I see him as one of the people such as yourself, such as Stone Hansen, such as Michael Weisenberg, such as the great people that I follow as a resource now, for many years of his work in the NBA draft, but I can't fault him a bit for his decision to go ahead and go back into private life once again. Yeah, to see him walk away to do something that he's passionate about, you know, I, I commend him for that. Absolutely. I, I was hurt when a lot of the people that I followed on ESPN got terminated and let go that one day in the mass layoff situation, like two, three, four years ago i don't remember exactly when it was but he was one of the names on the list and he was the one that i looked to the most as far as nba draft coverage at that point in time and i think it took some time off for him i think he got really burnt by it i mean i just get the impression that he really once that happened to them uh to him i think he really just said you know what i, I want to get away from this I i'm Getting back into it was really hard for him to do so. He finally was coaxed back into the NBA draft life. Uh, and on, like you said, on his podcast and on his website, he was just starting to get back into the mix. And then, like I said, because of what's happening now, he's found a deeper cause to go with. And you can't fault him for that. You can't fault with him mm -hmm. for that. But I will miss his contributions because he said there's a possibility he may never return to the NBA draft life at least in a public format. And I can't say I blame him, but uh, he will be sorely missed. And for some reason, and I could be totally wrong, I was under the impression that he had like some type of non-compete and he couldn't do like a any draft stuff or work for another company until a certain amount of time. I could be wrong, and I don't know where I heard that from or, or maybe even read it, but that's why I thought that he was away for like a couple years and then made his return this year. That may have been the case, but I know that there were a lot of his uh, compatriots who were also affected by it. 
that did find work with other outlets. Again, I think his contributions to the NBA draft, like you said, were, were outstanding, especially in the what early, early to mid to late 2000s. Uh, he was a primary resource for a lot of people, including myself. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know where I got that from. I could be wrong, but I thought because his was so niche, it was such a niche area that he had to not compete. Like I said, I could be wrong, but for some reason, I, I feel like I read that or heard that somewhere. You could be right. You could be very much right. So I'm, I, like I said, I'm not sure. I mean, I wish we could get him on the podcast to find out. <laughs> yeah. I know you and I would probably ask him like 10,000 questions uh, and whatnot, but yeah, that's... I just like hearing his stories about who he was right about, who he was wrong about, and like the, you know, I'll miss that, which is something that I wanted to do for my podcast is I want to invite different players that I may have access to, whether they're still in the NBA or, or not, or they had a short career, just to tell their draft stories about maybe who they worked out against or just hearing it from a player's perspective of the whole process. Like, I'm really curious about the draft process from multiple levels, whether it's from the player standpoint, the agent standpoint, or even the trainers. And so um, that's that's my goal within the next you know few weeks to get as many guests on as possible to talk about their experience with the draft. Because like I said, when Chad Ford would talk about, you know, the times that he was in the gym and he had this intel on the prospect or whatever, it was always interesting to me to just get that information that you normally can't get. I'll tell you what, it's going to be something interesting to follow on NBA Draft Junkies. And if you're not following him yet, you better do so soon. First of all, become a subscriber on YouTube. You get all the great stuff there. Then you're going to go to anywhere you get podcasts and you go ahead and like and subscribe his shows there as well because he's now become a really prolific podcaster now. He's got some podcasts that are out there that you got to listen to. And, of course, his website, NBA Draft Junkies, it's Rafael Barlow. And, Rafael, before we head on out, I say such great things because I've experienced it on so many occasions now, and I use NBA Draft Junkies as a resource when I go ahead and not only for entertainment purposes, but as you see, I did a mock draft of my own, which hopefully will be less amusing to the (laughs) draft insiders when I finish 2.0. But before we had, yeah, I know a lot of people are. I just saw Stone Hansen did his top 100 board. I know a lot of people were going back and forth on that one. But before we head on out, you got to give everybody an update on what's going on on your awesome experience known as NBA Draft Junkie. It's the same as, as usual as far as just trying to put out different content. I really like the podcast space. And so I, I did an got interview. Got you hooked, didn't I? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hooked on it. And as far as like guests, I had mentioned like a second ago, I, I want to get former players on there, maybe even current players. I just want to provide just a little bit different information as far as like the draft. I mean, it's it's starting to become a competitive field and, and everybody's doing like their, their top 100s or their mock drafts and, you know, just kind of ranking their prospects. And so what I always wanted to do with my site was like, for example, I, I did a podcast a couple of days ago. I have to edit it. But I spoke with a a player. He's not an NBA player, but I spoke with him about the whole mental health aspect of the NBA and how it could play a role in the NBA draft because I read somewhere that owners and general managers may want access to mental health records. 
thoughts. And from the perspective of a decision maker, I kind of would understand why if I'm going to invest millions of dollars in a player, I would want to know as much about the player as possible. But then also understand it, totally understand it from the player's point of view of, you know, that that information doesn't need to be out there. And so with this particular player, he plays professionally overseas, but he's really big on mental health. And we just kind of talked about like the mental health of an athlete and, you know, as far as like some of his teammates in college and, you know, we kind of play devil's advocate. I, I play like I'm the general manager of a team and I, this is what I want to know. And then he kind of told his story why it is important to keep those mental health records private. So I thought that was pretty interesting, um, you know, because it's something that I haven't really seen anybody talk about in the draft space. And then I did an interview with Tyler Ralph, which that podcast is up on, on the um, you notes know, on iTunes and Spotify. And he's a skills trainer. He works with a lot of NBA players. So we just kind of talked about like what he, you know, his process as a trainer, as far as like getting guys prepared for the draft, some of the players that he worked with. So I thought that was a little bit different. So I just want to keep on building and building and, you know, just coming out with different content. And we actually have a lot of time. Like I've been saying, we have between now and October to the draft. And so it's going to be tough to just fill that space with just regular big boards and mocks because how much can it change when nobody has seen anybody work out really? So um, so I actually, you know, this with this space and giving me time between now and October, I'm going to take advantage of it and just kind of provide as much content as possible. Well, sounds like from what I'm seeing on the comments on Facebook, uh, where this is going live at the Lakers Fast Break page, that you've got some people that well, actually got one person in mind that is definitely supportive of you talking and having that conversation. And that's on an upcoming NBA Draft Junkies I'll let you read the commenter's name because I think Dr. Deborah Barlow is approving that. So I want to give her a shout out. That's my aunt. Hi, Aunt Deborah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you watching. Thank you so much. And mental health is definitely important. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that conversation when I hear it on the NBA Draft Junkies. And again, if you're into the draft, if you're into all these conversations, and if you're just a great NBA fan, be part of the conversation today at NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. Subscribe there. Be one of the 11,000 plus. Have you gone over 12? No, I'm at like 11.3, 11.3. Okay, well, we got to get, we got to get you. I'll reach 12. August 1st. That's my goal. 12,000 subscribers by August 1st. Okay. Well, subscribe and be part of those upcoming 12,000 subscribers on YouTube. His great podcast, NBA Draft Junkies, and of course, his site that you got to check out as well, NBADraftJunkies.com. Well, my friend, it's been great talking once again. J.R. Smith. You know what? If he makes the team, if he gets signed up, you know what? People have got to not worry at all as far as on the Lakers teams about their truck getting messed with because jr will handle it that's for sure the protector there you go the protector indeed well i'll tell you what my friend it's been great talking to you as always i'm looking forward to our conversation next time right here at the lakers fast break